Well, this is going to be a little bit of an unusual message in that um, it's going to have a lot of extensive quotes from um, a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata. And if you don't know who she is, she is a writer and a speaker and an artist, and she's quadriplegic. She had a swimming accident when she was 18 years old, and um, she's probably about pretty close to my age, maybe a little younger than me right now. So she's probably been in that condition for about 50 years. Anyway, I read this book first that, that she wrote. I read this when I was several years ago and I was caring for my dad. I'd go out to Arizona for a month at a time and take care of him before he passed away. <clears throat> and the name of the book was uh, A Place of Healing, Wrestling with the Mysteries of so Suffering, Pain, and God's Sovereignty. And then I recently reread it, not real recent, but uh, probably about four or five months ago. I reread it because I had just been thinking about the number of people that we have in the church right now that are suffering, some from physical ailments, um, some from emotional issues. Um, there's just a number of issues with people suffering. And um, uh, anyway, I, it's really, rereading it really gave me a renewed sense of really to enter in and pray for the people in the church that are going through difficult situations. And so I wanted to share sections out of this chapter. It's, and she gets asked this question frequently because she's been in this condition for a long time. And she's got something to say to us. She's been through a lot. And the thing that's really glorifying to God and that she's honest, but she doesn't dishonor God in any of the things that she says. But uh, the name of the, the title of the chapter that she that I'm going to be sharing about is how can I keep going on she gets asked that a lot by people how can you go on <clears throat> anyway I wanted to share some thoughts and she gives four reasons why she can go on why she can still go on and reason number one is <clears throat> I can go on she says because God moves through time with me and she said, God is above time. He says, a day to God is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. But <clears throat> he enters into time and he identifies with what we're going through. He identifies with what we're going through. And uh, she described an incident <clears throat> that really encouraged her. And this was uh, she was having dinner guests, and they were having dinner. And after dinner, they had a little devotional, and that devotional was out of John 5. So I thought I'd read that section that really encouraged her, and you'll see why it really encouraged her. <clears throat> now there is in Jerusalem, this is John 5, verse 2 through 8. Now there is in Jerusalem 
by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool of water when it is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, the reason this was significant to her was the dinner that they were having was on the anniversary, the 38th anniversary, of her being paralyzed. And she said as she read that, she was so encouraged to think that God thought 38 years was a long time. (laughs) She says, because I certainly did. I thought 38 years was a long time. And it says right there that he had been there a long time. And she said, it was like God just speaking to her, coming to her, and saying, I know what you're going through. He cares about what you're going through. He's not oblivious to to your pain, to your suffering. You see that same idea in, uh, in Jeremiah where God identifies with how Jeremiah is feeling. Jeremiah is put into a dungeon, and this is what it says in Jeremiah 37, 16. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells, and remained there many days. How long? Doesn't say. Just says he was there many days. <clears throat> but it was a long time. And the point is this. God knows, the, knows what it's like to us. He knows what it's like to us. And that should encourage us. He's not impersonal out there. He's personal. I was, couldn't help but think about that uh, section in Mark 5 with a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. This is what it says in Mark 5, 25 and 6. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much, suffered much under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but had rather had grown wor- grew worse. <clears throat> As I was reading that, I was thinking about some of you. That's happened. You've been to many physicians, and you've suffered much for a long time, and you've grown. It's grown worse. But it's a, he. <clears throat> she says God knows how much she suffered, and He says she suffered a lot, and. Some of you are suffering right now, but you need to know this. God knows what you're going through, and he does care what you're going through, and he will be with you in what you're going through. Psalm 139, verses 16 through 18 are pretty familiar to you. 
your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. And she says this. Think about all the sand in the beaches and the deserts, sand dunes. Those are God's thoughts toward each of his children, outnumbering the grains of sand. And she goes on and she says, that's a thought that keeps me going. That's a truth that enables me to go on when it seems beyond my ability to do so. And I think some of you have been there. Another point number two, answer number two actually. She says, I can go on because I know God can use broken instruments to make incomparable music. And this is an amazing story she tells. She read this account. There was a syndicated columnist that um, was attending a symphony concert in New York City, and um, the, one of the, the guest violinists was a, a great violinist. I, I mean, that's what she said. I don't know him, <laughs> but anyway, he's well-renowned, I guess. Yitschak, and I don't think I said that right, Perlman. But anyway, Mr. Perlman was, uh, had polio as a child, and he, he had to walk with crutches and uh, leg braces. And normally, they would have him seated in the concert, and then the conductor would come out. But it was kind of like his uh, tradition, you say, I'd say, that everybody would be out there, including the conductor, and then he would make his entrance methodically, slowly, with his crutches. He'd come to his seat, set his crutches down, sit down and slowly take off his leg braces, pick up his violin, nod to the conductor that he was ready, and they'd begin. Well, in this particular concert, not too long into the concert, one of the strings on his violin snapped, and the columnist who was writing about this said, you could hear it all over the auditorium. And it just, everybody was stunned. Music stopped. And Mr. Perlman just picked up his violin. He looked at it, closed his eyes for a moment. And people are wondering, what's going on? You know? And then he nods to the conductor, motions to the conductor to go ahead and continue. This is what Johnny says. Though anyone who knows music understands it's impossible to play a symphonic work with just three strings, Perlman was undaunted. Apparently, you could see this superb artist actually recomposing the piece in his head as he went along, inventing new fingering positions to coax never-before-heard sounds from his three-string violin. The sophisticated New York audience watched and listened in awe, knowing they were witnessing a groundbreaking performance. When the piece was over, Of course, the audience erupted in applause, 
And Mr. Perlman just smiled, took his handkerchief, wiped his brow from the sweat off his brow. And then she said, he said in a soft, reverent tone, you know, sometimes it is the artist's task to find out how much music you can still make with what you have left. It's the artist's task to find out how much music you can make when you when uh, still make with what you have left. And Johnny says, that's another truth that has enabled me to keep going. Whatever strings are broken in our lives, if we concentrate, if we apply what we know, we can still play beautiful music with what we have left. In fact, it will be music that no one else can play in the same way. Sometimes you have to take what's left and coax out of your life something new and different. It becomes a recomposition, a series of new chords. People suffering from debilitating injuries, terminal illnesses, and chronic diseases aren't your standard musical instruments <clears throat> in the orchestra. We can't do everything able-bodied people can do in their physical strength, mobility, and vitality. It takes a special skill, <clears throat> it takes a special skill to bring music out of broken instruments. And the one who does deserves all the recognition and glory. And God is that one. God is the one who finds incomparable beauty and makes matchless music using the most unexpected and unlikely instruments. And this is what the Lord told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul is speaking, but he said to me, that is, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. She goes on to say that, and in the same way, his melody, his incomparable, heavenly, impossible, possibly beautiful music comes into its own when it emanates from broken, battered, but fully yielded human vessels. It's music that only comes from particular instruments, broken in particular ways, <clears throat> and yielded with particular humility. I also believe it brings glory to God in a way that is completely unique on earth or in heaven. And that's the thought. That's a thought that keeps me going on. The third <clears throat> answer she gives to why she can continue to go on. As I go on, I can go on because Jesus is my consolation. And there was a day... Uh, she said where she was feeling particularly downcast and 
really not feeling well. And um, <clears throat> she read a devotional by Spurgeon that these three little words just grabbed a hold of her. Jesus cheers us. And uh, she thought about it, and she, <clears throat> she says he cheers us not by his physical presence, but he cheers us through the Holy Spirit. And um, one of the roles, she said, of the Holy Spirit is to make glad our tired hearts, to uplift and confirm the weak, to encourage and raise up the downcast and to comfort us. He does all this through Christ. <clears throat> yes, the Holy Spirit consoles, but Jesus is the, con the consolation. The Holy Spirit may act as a physician, but Jesus is the medicine. <clears throat> One might be the comforter, but the other is the true comfort. The spirit focuses not on his own things. That's what the scripture says, but on the things of Christ. And the Holy Spirit brings those to you. She said, after reading that and thinking about it, that little Spurgeon devotional, <clears throat> she, she was reminded that with such rich provision, why should I be sad or despondent? The Holy Spirit is graciously engaged to be my comforter, to be my comforter. He comes alongside me to show me Christ as, this was amazing, he comes alongside me to show me Christ as I might not see him when times are happy and when life's smooth and easy. Reveals Christ in a way that you wouldn't see it if you weren't going through this. It's a different level. And then she said she also read that day, she read Psalm 61, uh, the first three verses that were a real encouragement to her. So I wanted to read those. These are very familiar. This, is, this section of scripture is also quoted in Luke. And when the Lord stood up in the temple and he read this and then he said that he's come to fulfill that. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. They shall be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That section, Jesus said, he's the fulfillment of that promise. When he stood up in the temple, he said, I'm the fulfillment. It's done. You know, that's, that, he read it, said, I'm the fulfillment of that. So look what Jesus promised and why it was such an encouragement to her in that particular day. A garland, or we sing it, beauty for ashes, 
Matthew Henry says, <clears throat> in mourning, people lay in ashes. But here, the Lord raises you out of your ashes and makes you look very pleasant, beautiful. And that <clears throat> gives me beauty for ashes. Gives me an oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of faint. You feel like you can't go on. But here, in the middle of it, he comes, he gives you joy, he gives you peace. <clears throat> Garment of praise. And Matthew Henry continues, he says, The holy cheerfulness of Christians is their beauty and a great ornament to their profession. Where God gives the oil of joy, he also gives the garment of praise. So when you're filled with joy of the Lord, what do you want to do? Praise God. That's your adornment. You're praising God. Johnny says, by the time the afternoon drifted into the evening, I was, well, a different person. I was still in pain. I was still in bed, but I was at peace. The question with which I have entitled this chapter, How Can I Go On Like This, falls directly into the Holy Spirit's mission in your life. He takes it very seriously. And if you listen, he will speak the comforting words of Jesus into the deep places of your soul. If you listen, he'll speak into the deep places of your soul, the things of Jesus. And then the last... Um, reason she mentions that I can continue to go on is because right now counts forever. And she talked, and I know a lot of us can identify with this. She talked about visiting her very um, frail mother before her mother passed away. And on this particular visit with her mother, her mother looked especially frail and fragile <clears throat> And uh, Johnny says she was really hit hard with the fact of her own mortality, seeing her mom like that. And she said, I looked at her, and it was like the, the thought had dawned on me for the first time. That's where I'm headed. We're all headed there. That's where we're going. And... Some of us have been through that with our parents, and some are going through it, maybe with their parents. But I can remember, uh, it was about a few years ago when I was spending those months in Arizona, and uh, I'd look at my dad, and here I'd look at a man that was so strong, so independent, could do so much on his own, didn't want anybody to help him, you know. Now he's weak, he's, he can't hardly walk uh, down the hall without assistance. He's very dependent, not independent. And it just occurred to me just that he's, he's not what he used to be. And some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're older particularly, we can say that about ourselves. We're not as strong as we once were. We're not as, um, don't recover from sicknesses and illnesses and 
injuries. It takes longer to do that. Um, we don't have the stamina that we used to have. We're getting older, and it's evident. And um, the things are deteriorating at a pretty rapid rate, honestly, when you look at it. <clears throat> Johnny says, to be comforted with suffering, whether observing it in another or struggling against it with our own aches and pains, to be confronted with affliction is a reminder that something immense and cosmic is at stake. A heaven to be reached, a hell to be avoided, and life on earth to be lived seriously and circumspectly. <clears throat> Our souls are the battleground in which a mass of spiritual battles are taking place right now. So right now, there's battles going on for our soul. She gives three reasons why suffering right now counts for eternity. <clears throat> and um, she talks about uh, suffering allows us the experience to experience the opportunity to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And that, when the Holy Spirit comes and comforts you, that enables you to be a comfort to others. And um, <clears throat> you are able, even when you don't feel like you can, the Holy Spirit enables you to enter into the Holy Spirit's ministry of comforting. You may be the instrument to comfort somebody else in their affliction. This is what... Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the Father of mercy, mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. <coughs> who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. That's one of the reasons the Holy Spirit comes and comforts you, so that you'll be a comfort to others. She says we all have a ministry to others, even when we feel like we have nothing to offer. And I was thinking about, couldn't help but think about Patsy, You know, at the end, she couldn't do much for herself. But her attitude and her trust in God was a real comfort and encouragement to other believers, especially those that were around her. And even those that weren't, I wasn't around her that much, a little bit, but not much. But the testimony that she left was a great source of encouragement and comfort to me. <clears throat> Second point she brings up on why it counts for right now. We're being observed, all of us, you're being observed. You're being observed every day by those that are lost and by those that are believers. People are watching you. How are you responding? <clears throat> People especially watch when you're going through really difficult trials. They watch and they see how you're responding. 
I remember <clears throat> when my friend Ray Miller, who was a principal, which they named the school after, when I first started teaching, and he was first diagnosed with cancer. And I was sitting on my porch one summer evening, and he drove, rode his bicycle by, and he stopped, and we talked, and he told me that he'd been diagnosed with cancer, and he needed to go up to the Mayo Clinic. And I was, of course, stunned, uh, the C word, you know. And um, <clears throat> I remember him telling me, um, if we can't go through trials any differently than the lost world, what are we saying about the power of God in our lives? The reality of God in our lives. See, his, his, he wanted people to see that he served God. He wanted that to be known, I serve God. And you don't know. Someone sees you going through a trial and how you're going through that trial may get their attention. What's different about this person? And the person says, I'm, I'm trusting God. He's got my times in his hands. That right there may be an inroad to somebody's heart to be thinking about God and about eternity. Souls are at stake. That's what she's saying. Right now matters for, for eternity. <clears throat> the third and final point that she brings up for reasons for suffering is the New Testament <clears throat> is full of everlasting rewards and promises for those who remain faithful to their calling, even in the face of great danger. To the suffering believers in Smyrna, Jesus said, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's in Revelation. <clears throat> she says, every day in our short lives, even every hour has eternal consequences for good or ill. Eternity, this, listen to this, eternity and the way we'll live in it is somehow being shaped by our moment-by-moment -moment responses to the life we have before us to live right now. How it's going to be is being shaped by our responses to our lives right now, what we're going through. How are we responding? She kind of concludes with this. She said, and it isn't easy for her to go on. She, you know, you think she's paralyzed, quadriplegic, no pain. She doesn't feel anything. It's quite the opposite. She's experienced cancer. The last 20 years or so, she's experienced excruciating pain. That she And she thought she was okay. She was just... I, I'm content with living with this quadriplegia. And then pain started. And she's at night laying in bed, pain. She can't move. You and I can move our position to try to alleviate the pain. She can't. Oh, she says, all I can do is cry quietly so I don't wake up my husband. And he'll hear me, and then he'll move me. <clears throat> it's not easy going on right now in my life, she says. But I must go on. I will go on until he calls me home and for however many more days he gives me to live for him on this side of heaven. Every one of them counts forever. 
So then, in summary, how can we keep going on? We can because God moves through time with us. He knows what we're going through, and he cares for us. And he identifies with what we're going through. How can I go on? How can we go on? Because we know God can use even broken instruments to make incomparable music that no one else can make. We can go on because Jesus is our consolation. He's the comfort we need, and he's the person we need in times of distress and in pain. We need Jesus. And right now counts forever. How we view and respond to our sufferings right now has eternal ramifications. May the Lord help us to live in light of that fact, living in light of eternity.